Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. What you call a good old-fashioned awkward transition there, and... Uh... Just keeps getting better from here. Tell you that much. Thank you for thank you for setting the bar nice and high for me there, Emily. That is great. Uh, glad to have you with us this morning. That was that was awesome. I don't know what happened there, and so uh, glad to have you with us. Uh, it's been a great great season. We're on our very last Sunday of our Acts series. We've been walking through the Book of Acts together. We are just about done. This is week, um, not week 28, but we're going to be doing Acts 28 this morning, which I am looking forward to very much. Uh, I do want to make a little announcement. Um, at the end of July, we, we did a survey, and uh, it was a, actually a pretty fun opportunity to do a survey. We had 100, over 140 responses, which is, which is really great, um, considering uh, the, the room of our size here. And uh, next, on, on uh, September 10th, I'm going to go over some of those responses with you, because some of them are really exciting. Uh, I'll tell you one of them because it's, it's really great. Um, one of them was 100% of the people who did the survey, 100% said that they feel comfortable inviting a friend uh, to church, which is a really, really exciting thing. And so either you are a liar or you really like inviting, you like it here. This is really great. And you don't mind inviting people, which is really, really exciting. And so we'll go through some of those answers on September 10th. Uh, one of the things that we did see through the survey, and uh, we have been teasing, giving some, some little, little teasers saying that we are hoping to move to two services in September. I wanted to say um, officially from this stage right here that we're going to wait a little bit longer. <laughs> um, part of the, my rationale on that, there's this part of me that wants to change the world right this second and uh, do everything I can to reach the West Shore as fast as we can, as hard as we can, as big as we can. But there's this other side of me that understands um, we're in a marathon, not a sprint. And it takes a lot of manpower a lot of team to be able to pull off doing two services. For example, when we come up, we don't, we, all, we know this, we don't, we don't own this building. So every Sunday morning we get here, um, part of our team's pulling in here at, uh, before 7 a.m., uh, 6.30, we start get all getting everything together, get our trailer picked up to, to start setting up. If we go to two services, that means we need two muscle teams because we need a team that's going to help us set up and we need a team that's going to help us tear down. Um, we, um, we need to think through how we do production, lights, media, like all those types of things. Um, they, they make for very long Sundays. Um, children's ministry, if you have kids, um, we love our kids workers. Goodness gracious. Thank you, Lord, for kids workers. Um, but here's the thing. If you're volunteering on a Sunday in kids ministry, you don't actually get to come to the the service, right? And, and so, so we, need to, we need to think through how we do that. We can't just stick somebody in there for two services and say, ha-ha, hope you're still a Christian when you're done. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not winning, right? Uh, our, our, our goal is longevity. And uh, as, as a pastor, I know it sounds, part of me is like, I hate that. It, I'm not retreating. I'm being strategic. And uh, the reality is we need to, we need to think sustainably um, and we need to do things. We need to work at uh, the pace that we're at. And, and so this does create opportunity because one thing you'll see in the surveys is that 50% uh, of the people um, who, 
who call GT by Shore Home, 50% of the people um, are involved with serving on team and 50% haven't had that opportunity yet. And so uh, until we can bump that number up of, of, of people who can come in and help do kids or help do set up or help do coffee and all these types of parking, all these types of things, um, I don't feel that it's wise uh, to go to two services because I don't want to burn anybody out. We're in this for the long haul. And so, so we are going to monitor our numbers. We're going to monitor how we're doing. I encourage you, hey, jump in. Now it's the fall. It's a great time to jump in. God's doing some cool things. But we want to walk at a sustainable pace because we're in this for the long haul. And uh, we did two services when we were meeting at the business center. And uh, I saw how excited everybody was to go to one service because you're like, I'm dying here. And, and so we don't want to do that. And so, so that's, that's the plan. That's, that's where we're at. And so so on September 10th, come back for one service, 10 a.m. We're going to pack this place out, and then we're all going to say, man, we need two services. This is going to be really great, and uh, it's going to be super awesome. Um, Acts chapter 28. And so last week, we talked about Acts 27. And if you're with us, we know Acts 27, that's the story of the storm, Paul in the storm. That's the story of Paul's shipwreck. All this, the ship goes down. Everybody's in the water. They're all swimming for dear life, all 276 of them. Last week, we talked about how do you survive a storm? Or maybe a better way to say it is, how do you be a Christian when the storm's happening? And so if you've been through a storm or if you're walking through a storm and you weren't here last week, listen online. You can find us online and hear that message. It's helpful. This week, as we conclude our series, I want to take it one step further. It's not so much how do you be a Christian in the storm, but how do you be a Christian after the shipwreck? How do you be a Christian? What does Christianity look like in the aftermath of walking through a shipwreck-type experience, a storm-type experience, some sort of crisis-type experience, some sort of life-altering moment, um, traumatic-type experience? And what does it look like in that moment to live out your faith? What does it look like to be a Christian in that season? And so this is where our text picks up. Everybody swam to shore. The boat is in rubble and pieces floating all over the bay and people are getting up onto the, onto the sand there, onto the, onto the shoreline. And we have our verse starting off in chapter 28, verse one says this. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. Now, I want to just, as, as, we, as we kick off on this particular chapter, I want, to, I want to say something that's maybe painfully obvious, but is extraordinarily helpful for us to realize. After a shipwreck, you might find yourself in an unknown and unfamiliar space. Okay? So here they're on the ship, and they've been on this ship for weeks. And even though the ship was an awful experience, because it was storm, and you're floating through a storm, crashing through a storm, wet through the storm, the perk, or should I say perk? I can say perk. The, the advantage of living through a storm on a ship is at least you can understand the routine of what's going on. The, the variables may not be all that helpful. The variables may not be all that desirable. In fact, the variables may be extremely awful, but the reality is at least you know what to expect. At least you know where your bed is. 
At least you know where your, your, where your meal's coming from or not coming from. You have an idea. The, the, even though there is a sense of unknown, there is a sense of familiarity as well. The storm is awful, but at least you can, at least there's some semblance of familiarity and routine. When, when the shipwreck happens and, 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 and the boat all falls apart and you've got to try and figure out how to live life, how to move on, what does this next step look like? Well, that part sounds really great because, yes, the storm's over. But at the same time, it's like, no, because I don't know how to do life anymore. I'm not familiar with this island of Malta. I'm not familiar with this, with this new particular season. I'm not saying I enjoyed the season that I was in, but what I am saying is that this new season is different and it's just a different kind of hard. And I wanna bring this up because I don't want you to be discouraged if you're walking through a storm. Because it's easy, it's, in, it's intuitive. The first thought we have is like, yes, the storm is done. Yeah, life is back to normal. Actually, maybe it's not. Actually, now it might actually feel very difficult. After the shipwreck, now you gotta rebuild. Some of you, you may have immigrated here to Canada, and the idea was, oh, I can't wait to come to Canada. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> but then you get here, and your family's not here, and life is different, and the culture is different, and, and just getting groceries is hard. The, la the language barriers, that's why ESL is so important to us. Because we want to, as a church, we want to be able to walk with people, not just, not just tell you about Jesus in here, we want to be able to teach you and help you walk out your faith out there as well. And so, like, there's these elements. There's this piece of, yes, the shipwreck is over. Like, the, sh the storm's gone. Everything's shipwrecked. But now you got to rebuild. And it's not always an exciting time. And so you may feel some, some tension, a level of tension. Because like, I feel like I should be more excited than I am right now. But it's still hard. And I just want you to know that God sees that. It continues. The people of the island were very kind. I love that. The people of the island were very kind to us, it says. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on shore to welcome us. Number two, after a shipwreck, don't be so proud that you're unwilling to receive help from others. So don't be so proud that you're unwilling to receive help from others. Now, I, I say that, I don't want to say tongue-in-cheek, because I realize that you may not be thinking pride. Because when we think pride, we think of like, I got this, I got this, right? But sometimes what happens when we've walked through that shipwreck type of experience, or just as human beings, we have this sense that we need to kind of prove ourselves to the world that we are not a failure, <laughs> Or let God know, I am not a mistake. I will do better. I got this. But the reality is, God knows our weaknesses and imperfections. He knows our insecurities and our fears. God knows our struggles and our trials. And sometimes the way that, that God helps people isn't just through the miraculous in terms of miracles happening but it's also through the kindness of others. 
I want to read an interesting verse for you. It's found in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3, verse 27 uh, and 28. I don't think I put 28 on the screen, but verse 27 says this. And this is like, this is the mandate. Like, this is the call for us as Christians. This is what it says. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it. When it's in your power to help them, if you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and then help, then I'll help you. So it speaks to this sense of urgency. This speaks to this sense of expectation that, hey, as Christians, we have a responsibility to, to, to help people. Okay, and I think, I think we could all understand that. Like, that's not earth science. Like, gosh, Adam, I knew that. I came here. I understand that. I got that. Your baby is so cute. <laughs> like, I'm here just trying to preach the word, but I'm like, I just want some baby snuggles. Baby Snuggle is so sweet. You guys are the best. And you're all matching. This is really amazing. Wow. We should have another baby. <laughs> no, 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 no. Once you hit four, it's a different story. I just let you guys into my world. Very, very professional here. Very professional. Where were we? Oh, my word. Got baby fever now. When it comes to Christians, we know that as Christians, it's our responsibility to help people. We get that. We get that. But here's the irony. And here, here is a, a very un, it's an, just an uncomfortable truth. You can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped. And some of you, you've come through the shipwreck and you're on the beach. You're surrounded in a room of people who, who, who love you and care for you, even though they're strangers. Isn't that crazy? But you don't want help. One, because you don't want to be a burden to somebody else. But the Bible literally says to like care, carry each other's burdens, right? So you're not actually getting bonus points with God. You're not getting bonus points from other people. The only person who's suffering is, is, is you. And I, I was just so touched that as this 276 people end up swimming their way onto the shore, that the people rally together and say, we need to help them. <laughs> and it is entirely possible that you could be one of those people who are like, no, 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 I got this. I got this. I don't want any help. I don't want any help. I don't want any help. I got this. But you're wet. You're cold. You're hungry. Everybody around you can see it but you don't want any help. And then we go home and we're like, that West Shore church, we don't even help people. And it's like, oh, oh, is it an us thing or is it a you thing? Let's be real. Because I've been there, I've been there, I've been there. And that's why I feel like I can speak like this. Where I get to shore, like, no, no, I got it. I don't want to be a burden to anybody. I don't want to, I don't, I don't need your help. I, I, I got this. But I'm actually, I'm robbing somebody else from their blessing. I'm stopping somebody else from being able to do what it is that God's asked them to do. And I'm not, actually, I'm not actually moving myself forward. I'm actually digging myself further down. And so just be careful with that. We'll continue. Man, that baby was so cute. <laughs> Verse 3. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire. I love that. So he wasn't just expecting everybody to help him. He was also doing some work too. 
right? Because we can get into there. We can get into victim mode, right? I just went through a shipwreck. Ugh. You want me to help you? Like, I, I'm, I'm the victim here. You should help me. But Paul's like, okay, I, I'll jump in. I'm going to pitch in. I'm going to pitch in. So he starts picking up some sticks, laying them on the fire. But then a poisonous snake comes, driven out by the heat, and it bit him on the hand. And after a shipwreck, number three, you need to be prepared that bad things can and still will happen. Because <laughs> what happens sometimes is we, we become these victims. And we assume that like, oh, I've just been through so much. I can't take it anymore, Lord. And we get this idea that like, this is, this is it. Okay, I've been through that. I can't get, possibly get any worse. This guy's been through a shipwreck. He's just trying to help everybody else. And he gets bit in the hand by a snake. Talk about being kicked while you're down. And that's not evidence that God is angry with him. And that's not evidence that God is mad at him. That's not evidence that God doesn't care about humanity. Our brain goes there. Oh, it goes there fast. God, do you even care? Do you even notice me? I got nothing. I just pulled up on this. I got nothing, Lord. And I'm going to get bit by a snake on the hand. Ah, I give up. Bad things still happen. And in a weird way, I say that to encourage you. <laughs> because if you're coming out of that shipwreck, it's not evidence that, hey, the shipwreck's just going to continue to plague you for the rest of your life. Everything sucks for now and forever. But sometimes it happens. So don't get rattled. Because it goes from bad to worse. Look at this. Look what happens next. <laughs> the people of the island saw it hanging from his hand. They said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. <laughs> Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. Ha! Knew it. I knew it. And after a shipwreck experience, you need to protect your heart from the opinions of others. Because some people are morons. <laughs> Just, if you're taking notes, write that down. <laughs> there are people in the church who are morons. And God still loves them. Good one. But the reality is people unintentionally will say things that hurt you. <laughs> I feel for these people. Like, you got to think about this. Here's a ship, right? The ship breaks down because of the storm. Everybody comes to shore. Well, we know the story. We learned it last week. This, this ship is full of prisoners. So it does make sense that people are watching this as this guy gets bit by, the, by a snake. and like, oh, I knew it. See, this, this, is, this is cause and effect. That's karma, ladies and gentlemen. Look at what happened there. Right? And he gets bit by a snake. This guy's got to be a murderer. And when we walk through these shipwreck experiences in our own life, people probably aren't finger pointing and calling you out as a murderer. But it is very likely that people will say insensitive things. Even Christians. Even your spouse. Oh, you guys looked at each other pretty fast. <laughs> I saw that. 
Like, even, I think the lights are a little bit brighter today. I can just see people. This is really great. This is really great. No one's safe. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at everybody. There's another cute baby in second row. This is really great. It's like the reality is when it comes to, when it comes to life, people can be insensitive. And I know, I know, like when you've been shipwrecked and you're down and you're feeling low, the last thing you need is somebody else saying something dumb. That's why I like verse, uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Way back here, the next chapter after the first proverb I just read you here. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. There's some pretty powerful wisdom in that thought. In other words, it's speaking to this idea that we need to be careful which voices we allow to influence us. And for some of you, it may mean like just, it may mean not going to advice from some of the people who are closest to you. It may mean pulling up some bigger boundaries. But and I know this doesn't seem fair because if you're already shipwrecked, you're already feeling, you're already victimized. Like it's, it's, it's like you just need help. But if you just blindly go for help to everybody, that's not going to help you. <laughs> you, you. You need to be wise. You need, you need to guard your heart in those moments. And I wish, I wish, I wish I didn't have to say that. Like I wish, I really wish the church or your family or your people that are closest to you would be the best support ever. But sometimes the people who are closest to you, they just don't see the biggest picture, the full picture. And so just, you got, you got, a, you got a guard here. You, you, got, you got to guard it. Where are we? That was a good one. First slide. Paul shook off the snake into the fire and he was unharmed. That's pretty cool. I think we can learn a lot from the, the great theologian, Taylor Swift. <laughs> shake it off. Shake, shake, shake it off. <laughs> See, when bad things happen, and they will, sometimes you just need to shake it off. I remember uh, my, my lead pastor in last church, Pastor Glenn Patrick, he'd often say, when you get... When you get mud on your pants, sometimes you just need to wait for it to dry and you just need to rub it off. Doesn't necessarily mean that like you have to throw your pants out. Sometimes you just need to wait a little bit longer just to, just to wipe it off, shake it off, just rub it off. And I find with, with our hearts, when we're in a shipwrecked state, sometimes we just, we get bit by the snake and we're like, ah, this is now part of my identity. I'm not going to have a snake on my arm forever. I'm now snake arm browit. It's going to be my nickname. It's the worst. But the reality is sometimes you, just need, you need to shake some of this stuff off. You need to stop carrying it. You need to not allow that to be part of your identity. Some of us, we embrace it because for some weird, sick reason, it almost feels good because we can pity ourselves. <sighs> I'm the snake bite. That'll be my name. But he shook it off. And as I was preparing, as silly as that little Taylor Swift joke was, as I was preparing for this moment, this is the piece that I prayed into the most. 
there are some of you in this room where you need to shake some stuff off. It, it, it's latched onto your identity and who you are, and it doesn't have to be there. You just need to, just need to drop it. It's not like it's this latched on, hardcore, I'm going to deal with this forever type sin. But it's like, hey, bro, just let it go. You don't need to carry it anymore. Just, just, just shake it off. Verse 6. The people, oh, those people, the ones that just called him murderer, those people, the people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. Nice. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their mind and decided that he was a god. <laughs> I'm not making this stuff up. This, this is human nature at its finest. Friends, we need to be careful that we not make assessments on who we are based off of other people's opinions. Because two chapter or two verses ago, two sentences ago, this crowd thought Paul was a murderer. Now they're like, you know what? Not a murderer. He's God. My bad. Misread that whole situation. I thought you were a murderer and you're going to kill me. Actually, you're a God. I'm going to worship you now. Awesome. That's crazy. I mean, this is so how we approach life. And some of you, you're making your, your, your purest, biggest, largest assessments of who you are based off other people's opinions. And as I said earlier, to quote myself, some people are morons. <laughs> and we make our opinions of ourselves based off that. Not of what scripture says, not of who Jesus says we are, not of who God says we are. But we're in those shipwrecked states. We, we just latch on to the, those who are closest to us. And this is the frustrating thing about Christianity. When we're really in pain, and we just came through that shipwreck season, it's often hardest to hear God's voice in those moments. It seems like God is almost silent at times, or that he's whispering, right? But do you know who we do hear? We hear all of our friends and we hear social media, and we hear popular opinion. And so then we say, well, the, the voice that we hear the loudest, that must be the truest. Well, that's terrible thinking. That's not good theology. The voice that I hear the loudest is the one that I'm going to allow to, to, to pour into who I am and help me to decide who I am and how I'm going to get through this. No, no, no. Sometimes in those moments, we have to fight extra hard to, to, to receive care for sure. But what's the, what's the line? You, you, you eat the meat and spit out the bones? And sometimes when people are speaking into your life, you need to eat the meat and spit out the bones. I shared my, my mental health journey with you guys a few months ago. And I'm going to tell you, I had to do a lot of <laughs> eating meat and spitting out bones. Some people had some terrible advice, <laughs> right? But it's coming from a great spot. I get that. And so it's just, it's just part of our world. Like we need, to, we, need to, we need to learn how to not be so impacted by popular opinion. It continues. Somewhere here. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. 
Often after a shipwreck, the answer to our prayers is, is significantly closer than we could ever possibly imagine. Of all the places these guys could have landed, they end up landing on this beach. And right down the beach, what do we find there? We have this, this chief official who lives there. Who would have ever imagined that? As the next verse kicks off, it says, as it happened. In other words, by chance, in other words, by some crazy coincidence, some super fluke, you have no idea what are the odds of this. As it happened, Bablius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. I have no idea how to say that. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. After shipwreck, you're still a Christian. <laughs> and after shipwreck, you still have a, a call on your life to, to love and to serve people. And it's important that we remember that. You see, Paul had every reason, every reason to be like, you know what? I'm a prisoner. <laughs> I'm in jail for being a Christian. My boat just sank. Everybody that I know, like I'm alone. I got no thing. I got no things. I've none of my stuff. Every plan I thought I had is just like it's in shambles. I got bit by a snake. Today is awful. This is the worst. And it's so easy. Like, he could have had a million and one reasons just to sit on that beach and just wait for somebody else to get them off that island. But just as it happened, they land on this beach, and this chief official lives right there. And this chief official's dad is sick. Paul didn't have to go in there and talk to his dad. Paul didn't have to go in there and pray for his dad. Paul didn't have to go in there and try and help somebody else. Like he, he, he was the one who needed helping. So why, why, why would he go in there and do that? Because Paul understands something about Christianity. <laughs> that even when, when Jesus was on the cross, he still from the cross looked out and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Even from the cross, he led the other guy in the cross beside him to himself. He helped, he helped the guy beside him find life and hope and purpose after death. Even at a cross when Jesus had every single reason on earth to spend a little self-care me time. <laughs> because his situation was pretty bad. He was still Loving people, serving people, caring for people. There's something to be said there. I find that when we're hurting and we're still Christian, our testimony speaks the loudest. Because people are able to see the, the real us. And this chief officer's there, and Paul walks in. He's talking to him, and he's like, oh, oh, your dad's sick. You know what? This is going to sound crazy, but Jesus changed my life. 
and everything about who I am has changed. And Jesus has forgiven me and changed me, restored me, and I've seen the power of God impact people in a tangible way. And I know this sounds ironic because I just showed up via shipwreck. But I can tell you this much, I believe that God can heal your father. And his father gets healed. But not just his dad. Verse nine. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. After a shipwreck, I need you to be aware. After a shipwreck, be aware. Because God may have you where he has you. Not for you, but actually for the benefit of others. This is a fascinating story. Because you see, it's entirely possible that what you call a shipwreck, other peoples are calling, well, this guy's an answer to prayer. Every single person on the island got healed. Paul's ship wasn't making a stop on the island of Malta. Shipwreck happens, storm happens, crisis happens, bad stuff happens. They find their way onto the, onto the beach. On the beach, Paul's like, I got to try and help. You know, as he's trying to help, he gets bit by a snake. As he's getting bit by a snake, he goes from murderer to a god in their eyes. You can't write this stuff. This stuff doesn't even make sense. Then he meets the chief officer of the island. He goes and starts talking to him. He finds out his dad's sick. He's like, well, clearly God can heal, so let's, let's pray. He prays, dad gets healed. Whole island, all the sick people get healed. What does this tell us? That if we spend all of our time just looking at our shipwreck story, we could actually miss the, the, the powerful nature of what God is doing beyond us in that particular moment. I'll close with this. As a result, the Bible says, as a result, we were showered with honors. And when the time came to sail away, people supplied us with everything that we would need for the trip. In other words, after this particular shipwreck story, Paul's rescue and recovery came from the people that he eventually started to serve. Friends, what if your shipwreck story wasn't actually a story of failure? But what if your shipwreck story was actually a story of something so much better? What if it was a story about rescue and recovery? What if it was a story of second chances? What if God has you where you are so that the people who are around you can see how you process this particular situation? What if God has you where you are, not just so that you can receive help from others, but also so that you can help them? See, I find it so interesting when it comes to, to, to scars. 
scars in the very same way is the same. It's a great metaphor for at least shipwreck seasons. See, you could have a scar on your arm. You can have a scar on your finger, and in a lot of ways, this is a sign of failure and me not checking to see if there was broken glass in the sink, and uh, it could be all of that. But this scar up also represents healing, survival, recovery, my ability to move on, life after that moment. And your shipwreck season right now may be so much bigger than what you're feeling at this moment. Would you bow your heads with me? I'd love to pray for you. In fact, I'll invite the whole worship team to come up at this moment. And can I throw you a curveball? Can we um, end with that last song instead? Thank you. And I want to pray. Friends, I don't know your story, and I don't know where you came from. I don't know if you're in the middle of a shipwreck or if you're like, wow, this is absolutely useless. Thank you for nothing. But I do know that God knows everything about you. He knows your heart. He knows your pains. He knows what you're going through. He knows what September is going to look like. He knows it's just around the corner. And i got to believe in my heart of hearts that God brought you here today for a reason. So if you're on the I need help from Jesus side of the coin, friend, Jesus is here. He wants to be with you. He wants to walk with you, encourage you. And if you're on the, I think there's people in my life who are shipwrecked side of the coin. And God's calling you to, to lend a hand, to step out, to, take a, to take, a, take a risk this fall. This message for you too. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you that you're real and we thank you that you're here. We thank you for your presence and we thank you for your goodness even when it feels like you're not. God, I pray for each person in this room. God, that you would help us to see ourselves the way you see us. God, that you would help us to see our situation through your lens. God, where there is discouragement, I pray that you would turn it around. And Father, that we would find hope and joy again. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be closer in this season than we ever possibly could have imagined. God, that you would help us to, to walk in strength, walk in power. Help us to walk in unity with each other. Help us to love like you love, Jesus. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for what you're doing. Your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet and we'll close this song together?